Welcome to a very special installment of Pop Goes the Culture, the podcast where we look at pop culture and wonder what makes it pop. I'm Marie, and today is May 13th. I'm actually recording this about a week early, but by the time you listen to this, it will be May 13th. And there's a reason why I'm recording this for release on May 13th. And no, it's not because of Friday the 13th. Although I could ideally do a Friday the 13th installment. But it has a lot to do with something else. So, May 13th. Why does that date sound so familiar? So, on this day in May 13th, It was the day when the first jet airliner took a commercial flight. That was in 1952. And that was from London to Johannesburg, South Africa. In 1939, Lou Gehrig, he ended up benching himself from a Yankees game and would eventually retire because of ALS. And the fall of Berlin, of course. And Bolin was arrested and imprisoned. And Bolin was, of course, one of the wives of King Henry VIII. But what about pop culture? Well... On this day, in 1986, May 13th, 1986, in London, England, an icon was born. The icon, Robert Pattinson. Okay, (laughs) I know, y'all think I'm crazy for this, but I have been on such a Batman kick. I'm, I'm actually a Batman fan, and I absolutely love the new one. And in fact, I've probably seen the Batman like a couple couple dozen times by now. And yeah, I had to do this. Um, so for those of you that don't necessarily know, this is going to be the craziest podcast I ever did. <laughs> but I'm going to do something very interesting, and that is, I am going to do my top 10 favorite Robert Pattinson movies. So, buckle up, kids. This is going to be fun. Now, before I go into anything, there will probably be no mention of Twilight, and not not for anything, because I know... I know that everybody knows that Twilight is pretty much what made him an international star. But I was not a Twilight fan. Never was a Twilight fan. And, you know, I probably didn't see the first Twilight movie until maybe in its entirety, maybe about two years ago or so. I saw bits and pieces of it when my mother would have it on TV. But other than that, I wasn't really much into Twilight. 
So, here goes. And I'm actually looking at IMDB right now, and this guy, he's got like a huge listing dating all the way back to 2004. And they're saying there's 39 credits on IMDb in just the movies that he's acted in. But also a lot of them, too, were either TV... A few of them were TV movies. A few of them were, like, little short videos that that were either on the Internet or small roles in, in movies. So... Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to start with number 10. And number 10 is actually a rather interesting one. And it's interesting because a lot of people don't really know about this one. I actually discovered it um, about, I'm going to say, a year ago. I was in quarantine with covid and this is actually how I discovered it. The film in question, it's a TV movie. It was an English TV movie called The Haunted Airman from 2006. And basically, the, he plays a character that is a Royal Air Force pilot who was, who was paralyzed, confined to a wheelchair, and he's in this like really eerie hospital and he starts to lose it. Crazy, isn't it? And here here he's, he's in this hospital and the only relative to actually give a damn about him is his is his aunt-in-law and they kind of have like this somewhat incestuous relationship because here they're in love but you know it, it's just it's strange trust me and here here the character that he plays gets haunted by shadows and bugs and you know it the doctor says that he doesn't open up his feelings it's it's insane. And he finds out that the doctor actually hid a lot of the correspondence from his aunt-in-law. And it... It's... Nuts. And... It's just one of those movies that's just kind of... Kind of interesting in a way. And... You know, it, it's a mind fuck movie, alright? That's all I have to say. It is a mind fuck movie. And for those of you that have paid attention to the films of Robert Pattinson, you will know that this is a trend with him. It seems like a lot of his movies were the ultimate mind fuck. Haunted Airmen was probably the first. Um, I would say Cosmopolis, which I'll talk about a little later. Tenant, The Lighthouse. This list goes on and on, on mindfuck movies. 
So, yeah, that, that's number 10. Number nine, I'm actually going to kind of dig in a little more, and a lot of these also could be classified as Indies Art House, because he has done a lot of Art House films. And number nine is an interesting film, which is from 2008. It's called Little Ashes. So Little Ashes is a film about Salvatore Dali. Yes, kids, Salvatore Dali. And he plays Salvatore Dali in this film. And it's about Salvatore Dali's life at an art university in Madrid. And here it's it's basically his relationship with Federico Garcia Lorca who, as we all know, was was a very iconic poet who was actually killed by, you know, because he was killed by the Spanish because of his, his loyalty to the revolution. And, you know, it's talks about that it talks about the talks about like their relationship which really borders on on romantic and it was just it was just one of these very interesting kind of films that really shows the evolution of Salvatore Dali in a way and it kind of brings a very unique approach to it. In fact, this movie was actually was actually very much applauded. And you know, the try to think what was the it was um and I should know this because I absolutely love this movie, but it was actually from oh the gay and lesbian group glad they they touted this movie as very very well liked in fact it was um it at the glad media awards in 2010 this film won the award for outstanding film limited release and also, interesting Pop Goes the Culture trivia. There's a scene where, where we see Salvatore Dali choking the chicken. Um, interesting uh, Pop Goes the Culture trivia on this. Robert Pattinson did that for real. I know a lot of people know that because it's all over the internet. There's actually, um, like if you go on YouTube and search for videos about realistic sex scenes. There's one, I, I'm trying to remember who did it, but it was a, the, it was like the top 10 
sex scenes that were real or something like that and they mentioned it and it it's one of those things that people are like what but yeah you can't make this shit up okay so number eight you know what number eight i have a love hate thing with this movie it's from 2010 and i do i have a ultimate love-hate thing with this movie because, you know, I thought it was a cute movie, but it it really messed with my emotions. And this is also a lesson of do not watch this movie when you are in an ultimate state of depression. The movie I'm talking about is, is 2010's Remember Me. Now, this is really a, a movie that will destroy your emotions. So, so we have, we have Tyler and he's kind of like the classic boy next door type that has gone through a lot of craziness. And here, here he ends up meeting this girl and Al, her name's Allie and she's like kind of the goody goody girl and he's kind of like this kid who is not so goody goody and it it's like they they fall in love eventually and it turns into this ultimate love story which kind of kind of mixed in with him interacting with with his family and it here is why this movie is the movie that I absolutely call the biggest destroyer the end of the movie he dies and this is another trend with Robert Pattinson films very rarely has he played a character that does not die in a movie remember me Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Devil All the Time, Tenet, I don't know if that character was dead or alive, Twilight, he was undead, <laughs> God almighty, it's like, it's almost like, they're like, hey, um, we're doing a movie and the guy dies at the end. Oh, let's get Robert Pattinson. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, it, it's... It, this, this movie will destroy you in the end because... Spoiler alert. He ends up on the 92nd floor of the Twin Towers when, this, when the plane comes in. And 
it's just one of those things where it's like, what? But, but yeah, if you want to be emotionally drained, Remember Me is a movie that will emotionally drain you. Okay, so number, that was number eight, so number seven, lucky seven. I'm going to go with Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Just because, you know, it's Harry Potter. I'm not really a big Harry Potter fan, but yeah, I think, I think all of us want it to kind of have it with Cedric, <laughs> but Cedric Diggerty, oh man, the, the golden boy of Hufflepuff, this movie, like I said, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but it made me want to watch the other ones, and I was not really, I was still not that big of a Harry Potter fan. Although I will admit I am a Hufflepuff. In fact, interesting thing is Hufflepuff Pride Day is my birthday, March 20th, so maybe it's a good thing. But, you know, here, here, um, Cedric, he's kind of like the the one that everybody everybody loves and like like he'll he'll kind of give like different pointers and whatnot to Harry like like about submerging that egg in water and opening it and of course in classic in classic Robert Pattinson style, his character dies at the end. <laughs> we all know what happened. Voldemort sent out an order to kind of to kill someone. And who does he kill? Cedric. So, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. What is it with this guy? And dying in almost every film like I said they probably I could I could imagine casting directors sitting around looking at a script being like okay so we got this movie this guy's gonna die at the end who can we get they're all sitting around thinking they're like hmm, hmm Robert Pattinson <laughs> and of course Robert Pattinson being the twisted soul he is is probably sitting there like okay <laughs> okay moving on number six I'm going with a rather obscure one for number six and I just watched this last night and I love it it's from 2012 so we're talking roughly about the end of the Twilight era. It's called Bellamy. Now Bellamy is based on based on a book. And of course the book is called called Bellamy. And it's a pretty interesting book. And I've read the book, I've seen the movie. And 
he plays this character, George Dubois, and he's a penniless soldier returning from war who goes to Paris to find ways to improve his social and financial status. And he ends up using wit and charm and ends up wooing some of the most wealthiest women who are married to some of the most powerful men in Paris. And because of that, he ends up kind of having more than what you would think. Yeah. Um, Y'all remember that thing I said about the character, the character death thing. I could imagine the meeting <clears throat> with the casting directors for Bellamy. And they're like, okay, we have this character and he... He's kind of charming. He seduces women, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, who can we get? And somebody's probably sitting there flipping through a magazine, comes across a thing about Twilight, and they're like, Robert Pattinson. And of course, I shouldn't really think too much of it because to be honest with you, it, it was a good movie regardless. It was. And, of course, interesting factoid is is um, Nicole Kidman was supposed to be in this movie, but she had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. And it it's just interesting. Of course, it would have been interesting to see Nicole Kidman in that film. But that's another podcast. Okay, so we are up to number five. Number five is alive. Sorry, had a short circuit moment. <laughs> but number five is a is actually I'm gonna I'm actually lumping two together because of the fact that they were both directed by the same director, David Cronenberg, and that is Cosmopolis. And maps to the stars. Let's start with Cosmopolis from 2012. Cosmopolis was the one that kind of kind of took Twilight fans by surprise because they were like, he could actually do this kind of shit. And you know, it was mostly because it was it was very much dark. And very much like you watch it and you were like, I would never think of him as doing that. So, so um, basically he plays this 28-year-old self-made multi-billionaire. And at the spur of the moment, he decides he wants to go for a haircut. And, you know, the guy who who cuts his hair on a regular basis is all the way across town and it's a difficult journey because in Manhattan of course you know traffic sucks but on this day there is a lot of high profile moments I mean 
There's a visit from the president. There's protests. It's just one big crazy thing. And, you know, it it basically follows, follows him in the limo. And here, here he ends up meeting with several business associates, personal acquaintances, a woman he's only been married to for like seven weeks. And they have like a very distant relationship. And here, when he starts losing money, the woman divorces him. I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but you know the rest. And, you know, like, like here, here he ends up having sex with other women. And, you know, he ends up having... All these crazy things happen, and it—it's insane because this this movie was like everybody looked at it and they were like, "Man, was he trying to shed the Twilight image?" Um, can I answer that? Yes, I think he was, and. You know, interesting pop goes the culture trivia. This is actually from IMDb. It says this was Robert Pattinson's first film he worked on after finishing shooting the Twilight, the last Twilight sequel. He started the that the experience that working with David Cronenberg and having the film premiere at Cannes made him realize that he could pursue independent projects helmed by Artur directors because he didn't think he was worthy or good enough to act in Artur cinema before. Um, I don't buy that. And here's why I don't buy that. Um, Little Ashes, The Haunted Airmen, watch those because this was before Cosmopolis, mind you. And... Yeah, you will see that he's done Art House before Cosmopolis. So, okay. And my other one for number five was Maps of the Stars. Maps of the Stars, Reason, like I said, the reason why I lumped it with Cosmopolis is because of the same director, David Cronenberg. And... Basically, this one, he plays a chauffeur that is just looking for his big break, like almost every chauffeur in L.A. And, you know, he ends up, he ends up interacting with this, with this, um, young lady. And here she, she's, she's an actress who dreams of shooting a remake of of a movie that was made about her mother. Oh, God. It's, like, insane. And, and you know, it. it's, like, one of those ones that you watch it and you're, like, say what? And, <coughs> and, you know, it's, 
it's one of those movies that you just don't know what to think of it. And again, I think it's mostly because David Cronenberg has done some pretty crazy ass films. Okay, number four. Now, number four is actually the film that introduced me to the world of Robert Pattinson. It's from 2019. It's The King. I love this movie. I do. I love this movie. And basically, it's... I'm just going to read the storyline synopsis that was on IMDb that's from Netflix. How a wayward, <coughs> a wayward prince and reluctant heir to the English throne has turned his back on royal life and is living among the people. But when his tyr tyrannical father dies, how is crowned King Henry V and is forced to embrace the life he previously tried to escape. Now the young king must navigate palace politics, chaos, and war his father left behind and the emotional strings of his past life, including his relationship with his closest friend and men mentor, the aging alcoholic knight, John Falstaff. Okay. And this one, it you got Timothy Chalamet as how. And then, of course, this is probably the craziest thing in casting because Timothy Chalamet is French and he's playing how. Robert Pattinson, who's English, is playing is playing this French noble, the Dauphin. The Dauphin. I don't know how you pronounce it. But here the way Pattinson nailed it as the Dauphin, you would be like, seriously? He was that guy? <laughs> And, you know, I think a lot of it was because, you know, he's one of those types that's like a chameleon, if you will. I mean, we saw it with like, we saw it with like little ashes. We saw it with, okay, I did not say I was going to mention Twilight, but Twilight, um, Cosmopolis, because Cosmopolis, remember, that was on the heels of Twilight ending. And it's almost like you don't know where he begins and the character ends. And here, here probably one of the one of my favorite things in this movie was actually kind of how he nailed the French accent and how like some of the stuff that was kind of kind of crude sounded pretty damn cheeky, like. There was one line. It was tiny, tiny balls. Tiny, tiny balls with a giant cock. And the way he said it, I was like, I was like, dude, that was epic. But yeah, if, if you have Netflix still, because I know so many people are canceling Netflix, look for The King because it is a good movie. Okay, so I'm getting down to my top three. 
And my top three are very unusual. Okay, so number three is, and this is still one of my favorites, and it's from 2017, Good Time. Now, interesting thing with Good Time is Robert Pattinson actually wanted to work with the Safdie brothers after seeing a thing about their film, Heaven Knows What. So, yeah. And he really went after trying to work with the Safties. Which, you know, if that does a screen dedication, I don't know what the what does so in good time he plays this character Connie Nikas and Connie is kind of your basic con artist criminal type and the, it begins with him getting his his brother Nick who is who has a developmental disability out of a therapy session they go and they hold up a bank for $65,000. They're in the getaway car and the dye pack explodes. And then of course this causes a crash. They run off, they get into a pizzeria restroom to wash the dye off. And here, here they were stopped by the cops, but Nick runs off and eventually ends up getting arrested while Connie escapes. And Connie spends this whole movie trying to secure the bail bond, which, you know, he, he was like 10,000 short. And, you know, he tried to get, tried to get his girlfriend to pay it with her mother's credit cards, but her mom canceled the cards. And then it's a whole thing of Connie's trying to get get Nick out because he's in the hospital after a fight with an inmate. Insane, huh? Now, interesting trivia on this, and there is some very interesting trivia on this. First off, the cops in the mall chase scene, real cops. And secondly, Secondly, another interesting thing was that this film was where, I'm going to read this from IMDb. It said, says, all actors didn't read the script, but were given a detailed backstory of their characters and told to improvise every scene. And... This is actually quite true because I remember watching a, a video on YouTube where Robert Pattinson said that basically he was being directed by text message. Yeah, pretty, pretty badass. And also it, they, it's weird, but if you watch the film, you see like an evolution of, of hair color on this because basically in the beginning of the film Robert Pattinson starts out as as a as a brunette because you know it was to make him look more like like his brother who was played by Benny Safdie 
And then there was one where they had to... Then there's scenes where, like, he's bleaching his hair. And, you know, kind of to get a disguise, if you will. And they had to go... They had to, like, kind of go from blonde to brunette and back again. And they bleached it several times over. And here... Here he ended up having his hair fall out in chunks and you know ended up where he had to shave off his head that's actually why that's actually why in high life he he's sporting a buzz cut and you know the mugshot photo which was which was used in good time was actually taken a day after the shooting wrapped and he buzzed off his hair because, you know, you know, got damaged from all that peroxide. So, very interesting factoid. Okay, number two. And no, this movie is not crappy. I don't care what anybody says. Number two, The Batman. All right, the Batman, I, like I said, I am a Batman fan. This movie, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I talked about it in earlier podcasts, but this movie kind of has that unique thing where it's, it's either you love it or you hate it. And I know a lot of Batman fans who hate it. If you are a Batman fan, remember, this is a year two Batman. So, of course, he's not going to be the overly buff Ben Affleck Batman. And to be honest with you, Ben Affleck was one of my least favorite actors to play Batman. He's right up there with Val Kilmer. <laughs> and I'm not a big Val Kilmer fan. But, you know, it was just something with this movie. It's it's almost like he really nailed it. And a lot of that was because he's admitted that he's a Batman fan. And, of course, my thought is, who isn't? But, yeah. And... You know, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. It's actually on streaming on HBO Max. You can get it through. Like, if you have, if you still have cable, you could probably get it through your VOD. Um, also, get it on. You can get it on digital download, iTunes, Voodoo, whatever you use for that. But it is an amazing film. Okay, before I get to number one, like I said. IMDb has 39 different acting credits attributed to him. So I'm going to do a very quick honorable mention. Okay, so my honorable mentions. 2020's Tenet. The ultimate mindfuck movie. And to be honest with you, I had to watch this a couple times to figure it out. And if you do watch it, pay attention to everything because here's why it's a mindfuck. The movie 
plot line. The whole timeline of this movie is backwards. So basically, you have to watch the beginning, but pay close attention because it's all backwards. Another honorable mention, 2018's High Life. It's a very interesting film, and you know, it's one of those movies that you watch it and you're like, okay, this is interesting. It's basically, he's this, he's this criminal who's on this space station and he and his daughter are the only ones left because everybody else died. And, yeah, of course, the interaction between his character and the daughter kind of made half of the Pattinson's army be like, my ovaries have exploded. <laughs> and my other honorable mention will go to 2014's The Rover. Rover was kind of a post-apocalyptic type, type film. And of course, spoiler alert, he dies. What is it with this guy and dying in every movie? So, we get to my number one. And my number one is actually the movie that replaced Forrest Gump as my all-time favorite movie. And it's from 2019. And it's one of these movies that, you know, when you watch it, you're like, say what? The Lighthouse. Love this movie. Okay, so, I'm just going to read this from the IMDb summary, which was by a writer named Nick Reganis. As the wavering cry of a foghorn fills the air, the Taukaran former lumjack, lumberjack Ephraim Winslow and the grizzled lighthouse keeper Thomas Wake set foot in a secluded and perpetually gray isolate off the coast of late 19th century New England. Following four weeks of backbreaking work and unfavorable conditions, the light, the tight-lipped men will have no one else for company except for each other, forced to endure irritating idiosyncrasies, bottled up resentment, and burgeoning hatred. Then, amid bad omens, a furious and unending squall maroons the pale beacon keepers in the already inhospitable volcanic rock paving the way for a prolonged period of feral hunger, excruciating ang agony, manic isolation, and, a, and horrible booze-addled visions. Yeah. This is the movie that everybody said to watch in quarantine when we were going through all those COVID lockdowns. And I will admit, I did watch it when I was actually in quarantine last year when I had COVID. And it does put you in pers put into perspective. I think the joke I made to everybody is my quarantine was nothing to 
compared to what Robert Pattinson went through in the lighthouse. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the ultimate mind fuck movie. And it's probably more of a mind fuck than Tenet. It's one of those movies that when you watch it, you, you're wondering who's whose frame of mind is it coming from? Which character is it coming from? And, you know, are these characters completely wasted? Are they messed up? What? Is this like some kind of strange drunken hallucination? To me, it is a strange drunken hallucination, but okay. So, but yeah, it's one of those movies that you watch it and you're like, okay. And, you know, other interesting, you know, interesting factoids regarding this movie is, um, first off, the film, the film aspect ratio, which is a 1.19 to 1 ratio. This was used a lot in the early age of cinema and you know they decided to do it for this one and here they here it was specifically chosen because and this is from INDB the spaces in this movie are meant to feel confined so so yeah, it was because, you know, if you watch it, almost the entire movie is in this fine little space on this on this island. So you almost feel like you are stuck in that fine little space with these guys. <laughs> and, you know, the the film was shot actually on double X stock black and white which required way more light to get the exposure so yeah they had a shitload of light bulbs and and here it it was like everybody was blinded on that set they actually say that the crew members sometimes wore sunglasses even during the night shoots and I want to point this out because there's an infamous quote from Robert Pattinson where he said about method acting and said that basically the only the only time anybody really uses method acting is when they're playing an asshole. I think he kind of used some form of method acting. I don't know what it was, but I'm reading this on IMDb and it... It was where Robert Eggers, who directed it, said that sometimes Pattinson had, like, this really weird way of psyching himself up before the emotionally extreme scenes. Like, drinking the rainwater in between takes, spinning around in circles. There was also where they said, like, he would punch himself in the face. Which... Right now, I'm just, I'm just picturing that. <laughs> and 
You know, it's like, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> hey, as long as he doesn't trash the jawline, he's good. <laughs> and then there's one that was pretty crazy. It was, he would stick his fingers down his throat to make himself gag. And it, it, it's nuts. <laughs> with that. It wasn't. That is nuts. And here here also y'all remember that if you saw this movie you will know about this scene. It was the crazy booze ridden sexual fantasy of Pattinson's character screwing a mermaid. Interesting pop goes to culture fact. Yes, he choked the chicken for real. Again! <laughs> okay, let's see. Dies in almost every movie. And realistically chokes the chicken. Oh, God. He's a piece of work, ladies and gents. Also, why the fuck was he not nominated for an Academy Award for this one? So help me God, if this guy does not get an Oscar, it'll be a major crime against humanity and art. So yeah, that's my top 10. And of course that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So that wraps up this very special edition of Pop Goes the Culture and yes, I invite you all, celebrate Robert Pattinson's 36th birthday in ultimate style. Go watch one of his movies. And if you really want to do something that will make the diehard Pattinson fans stand up and cheer, donate to a charity that he's actually been the spokesperson for for several years, Go Campaign. Log on to GoCampaign.org and find out where to donate. And as always, Pop Goes the Culture is written, produced, and directed by me. And I am hosted on Anchor. Log on to Anchor.fm to get your podcast hosted. I am listed by default by Anchor on Spotify, but thanks to Anchor, I am also listed on Amazon, Apple, Google, I actually found a way to list myself on like Podbean and several and of course several other different ones. I actually have a page with all the different all the different um listings that I'm at. And you can find that on my Twitter at popculture267. I am also on Instagram under that same name. And as always, don't forget to be awesome. Bye. Oh, thank you.